this is Pastor Pete. My prayer is that this message you're about to hear will help you to understand and experience God's love and power, regardless of what you may be going through today. God bless you. I was swimming in the ocean. I got an air infection. Um, I didn't. I didn't realize that uh, I was actually doing some bad things to my ear using a Q-tip and going in there. Uh, those of you who use Q-tips and you say, it feels so good, though, to dig in there, it's not a good idea because <laughs> I was getting in there. I thought I was helping my situation, got an infection. Then I put hydrogen peroxide, thought that was a good idea. I should have called the doctor. Where's my doctor? But where's my doctor? There she is. There's, I should have called you. I'm sorry. I didn't. Am I doing the right thing? So they ended up giving me this, um, putting the drops in, uh, and it helped. This really did help. After about three days, I didn't feel any more pain. I think I used my last dosage today. I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to do it for five or seven days, whatever. But um, I'll read the instructions again. But I wasn't sure if it was for my ears or for my eyes. So I went back to the pharmacy. I said, are you sure this is for my ears? Because I don't want to put it in my ear if this is for my eye. And they said, no, it says it right there. You know, and it, and, and it does sort of say it here. Um, but I didn't understand what I was reading. But once I believed, you sang about that just now, believing, right? But once I believed, I needed to demonstrate my faith, my faith, with my actions. I could just read it and say, yes, I believe this can help my air problem. A lot of people in Guadalajara that are driving by right now, if you ask them, do you believe in Jesus? They'll say, oh, si, si, si. El es mi señor. So verbally they say they believe, but they will never personally put their trust in him and receive him into their lives as Lord and Savior. They're depending on other things. Noah was a man who received instruction from God, and he could have verbally said, I believe but never built the ark. If you really believe that God's way is the best way, you will do things that you ought to. You will treat your neighbor a certain way. You will love your wife a certain way. You will love your husband a certain way. You will love your children. You will respect your parents a certain way if you really believe God's way is best. It will show in your actions. If you really believe Jesus is Lord, then he should be your Lord. Faith without works is dead. So God wants to see in our actions. Thank God Noah was someone who didn't only believe up here, but with his actions, you could tell this guy really believes what God says. So, we're going to continue through this, through this series. 
And uh, I'm still used to trusting in you, but I need to get used to this. So we're going through the book, the book of Genesis. This series is entitled Examples to Follow and Not to Follow. And as you read through Genesis, you will literally see people say, okay, I will follow this guy's example, this lady's example, but I'm not following that example. You'll see it as we continue to study. There are good examples to follow, and there's some, some really bad examples to follow. Let's pray before we continue. Lord, we need your help to understand your word. You are the teacher in this room. We want to show reverence to your voice, not Pete's voice or anybody else's, not even our opinions. Open our hearts and our minds, and I pray that the seeds will go on good ground and bring forth much fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, what do we have here? Working and warning by faith. That's what Noah did. Noah was working, but he was also warning people by faith, trusting what God said. He never saw rain before in all of his life. He never saw it come down, and it was like, what's going to happen? But he believed it. He believed. There's things that God wants to do in your life, and you're like, well, I've never seen that happen, Lord. I haven't seen it. But he wants you to believe. He wants you to trust him. And he was working and warning. Yes, I definitely need help with this. This got really loose. I don't know what happened. Uh, perfecto. Thanks, bro. You're a nice guy. Whoa! And it's not even April Fool's Day. Isn't that great? Imagine if it was April 1st. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. So we're in the book of Genesis. Look with me. We're in Genesis. You know what? We didn't finish chapter 5. So let's look at chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. There's some verses that we want to close out with. Beginning at, uh, verse, beginning at verse 25. Look at this. Remember, folks kept dying. God said to Adam and Eve, you will surely die if you eat from that tree. And chapter 5, it just lists a bunch of people that just kicked the bucket. Another one bites the dust. All these different terms you use about death. One dies after another. One after another. I'm thinking of my grandma. I grew up with my grandma. It was hard for me to imagine my grandma dying one day. It was hard for me to imagine being at her funeral. I was like, this is, that's not going to happen. Grandma has always been here. Well, praise the Lord. She knew Jesus as her Lord and Savior. But I went to her funeral. My parents are still alive. My dad is 82. My mom has a mystery age. She never tells anybody her age, so I don't know how old my mother is. I do know because I saw her birth certificate. So she's somewhere around 79. If she knew I was telling you that, she would... Exactamente, sí, yes. It would be a bad thing. So forgive me. I have to call her tonight and say, sorry, Mom, I told them you were about 79. 
And she'll say, you lied to them. I'm 25. She thinks she's very young. She, you'll meet her one day. But all of us will die unless the rapture comes and none of us here who know Christ as Lord and Savior will experience physical death. We talked about that last week because Enoch, remember, he walked with God and then God took him. It was like an Old Testament rapture. It also happened with Elisha, remember? We talked about that too. We don't know when this is going to happen, but we need to number our days. Look at this, verse 25 of uh, chapter 5. It says here, and Methuselah lived 187, 187 years and became a father. Can you imagine? Became a father for the first time. I was 30, 31 when Daniel was born. I can't imagine waiting that long. Anyway, he became a father at that age. And uh, it says here, he became the father of Lamech. Then Methuselah lived 782 years after he became the father of Lamech. And he had other sons and daughters. My goodness. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years. And then what happened? He died. Verse 27. And Lamech lived 182 years. And he became the father of a son. Verse 29, and now he called his name Noah. Wow. Saying, this one shall give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which the Lord has cursed. I need to say this. I didn't plan to say this, but I need to say this. If you feel there's a generational curse in your family, or you just think there's something that can never be changed? Look at this, because the ground was cursed. It was a dark time, and then Noah was born. A man that walked with God. Remember, we also read about uh, the, the fact that there was a difference between Abel and Cain. We talked about that. And now look at this. Here it is. Noah. He was born in a, in a time where there was some curses, some darkness. Verse 30. Then Lamech lived 595 years, and after he became the father of Noah, he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Lamech were 777 years. 777. 777 years, and he died, verse 32, and Noah was 500 years old, 500 years old, and he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So remember, we were also talking about Seth when he was born. After he was born, then people started praying. So I want to remind you about that. At the end of chapter 4 of Genesis, people start getting into the habit of praying, 24-7 prayer. We're going to start that again next month, God willing. We'll be in a prayer room. You can spend time in this prayer room for one hour uninterrupted, nobody calling you if you turn your cell phone off. <laughs> and you're in there praying for yourself. 
praying for people you love, praying against human trafficking, praying for the president of Mexico, the United States, the president of China, the prime minister of Israel. You're praying for marriages. You're praying for unsaved relatives and friends. You're praying for your enemies. Somebody say amen. Your enemies. Some of you saying, I'm not going to that prayer room. I have no interest in praying for my enemy. <laughs> but Jesus said, do it. It'll bring healing to you, believe it or not. Amen? It will, it will, it will. So we see this pattern now that when people started praying at the end of chapter 4, we start to see incredible things happen. Ugly things are happening before the people started praying. Ugly things with a capital U. Let's move on here. Help me, Jesus, to get through this. This, this top came off. I found it. I found it. I found it. I found it. You may need to help me a second because this. You could put that on for me because that back, that back part came off there. So possible reasons why they lived so long. As I was reading that, some of you might say, why did they live so long back then? I didn't, I didn't get to talk about this last week. We're reading people died 900 years old. Can you imagine your enemy living for 900 years? Can you imagine that? You know, the, you know, you know, if the Holy Spirit is not filling you, you could be thinking thoughts like, when is he going to die? Hmm, maybe next year. 900 years, these people, 800 years. Now, why did that, why did that happen? Well, it could very well be for a number of reasons. One reason could be the human race did not have as many diseases at that time. It was early. That's one reason, possibly. They don't know. This is what these theologians think. You know, they get together and they say, what do you think? What do you think? And then all of them think they know what they're talking about, and only God really knows why. But this was interesting. Look at this. Since there was no rain, there was a vapor above the earth protecting mankind from harmful rays. See, he's a biologist. He's nodding his head. It's possible. I don't know. It could be. Could be. All right. Then we got, they had no time to multiply the earth, and God gave them time to repent. Pete Campbell threw in the repent thing. But the multiplying the earth, they needed more time. Time can be misinterpreted as God's approval of sin. Pete threw that into Sometimes if there's a long time and you don't see God punishing you, you can think, well, I guess it's not that bad. Remember when Jonah was running from God? He was asleep on the ship thinking he was okay. Well, if it wasn't God's will, he wouldn't have let me get on the boat. So maybe it's okay for me to keep sinning the way I am. God was giving these people time to repent. And then the storm came. Jonah realized, uh-oh, God doesn't play. 
I thought you forgot about my stuff, my disobedience. God doesn't play around. He loves us too much. If you're his child, he loves, he loves you so much, he will discipline you. That's how much he loves you. <laughs> I wasn't planning to say this. One time in my, during my time of stupidity, I raised my voice at my wife when we were having not an argument, but an intense conversation. It was just intense. And I raised my voice. She went into the bathroom, and I was sleeping. And a force literally pushed me out of the bed. It wasn't D. She was taking a shower. Pushed me out of the bed, and I literally, I'm dead serious, I literally heard a voice saying, she is not your daughter. She's mine. When you speak to her, speak gently. I heard it. God disciplines those that he loves. And sometimes we can carry on with some behavior and think, well, it can't be that bad. God didn't, he didn't punish me yet. God could be giving you time, and time can be misinterpreted as God's approval for sin. Don't be fooled by that. Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, we see Seth's lineage and Cain's descendants. Most likely, they intermarried. Now, let's look, let's look at this. Very interesting what, what, uh, what happened. I didn't know where my Bible was. I thought it was over there. Look at this. Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 6. It says, and it came to pass that when man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them and the sons of God saw the daughters of men and were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever because he also is flesh. Nevertheless, his days shall be 120 years, it says. And then it talks about a Nephilim race of people who were, were on the earth. And afterward, when the sons of men came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who served, mighty men who were of old, men of renown. So... Their theologians think that evil angels had sex with these beautiful women and they brought about this race. Others believe this, though, and this makes more sense, that Seth's lineage and Cain's descendants most likely intermarried. You had holiness that compromised their standards and they had sexual relations and, and intermarried with these evil folks who were practicing sin which happens today, by the way. It's going on right now. You have relatives and friends, Christians who say, oh, I, I'm dating this girl, and she's so beautiful, and you're taking it for granted that she's a Christian. So then you're talking, and it's like, yeah, yeah, and uh, 
so I'll be going to church. Yeah, oh, so your fiance is going too? No, she's not saved. She's not saved? No, but, you know, I'm witnessing to her. Let me, let me give you some advice about that. You know how Christmas time, your, kid gets, your kids get a toy, <laughs> and some of the toys say batteries not included? If a Christian's dating somebody, they need to make sure batteries are included. They have the Holy Spirit already. They're not thinking, well, they don't have batteries yet, but I'm hoping that they'll receive Jesus eventually. No, it needs to be batteries included. Amen? They need to already know Christ. This is what went on. The, the, these people who are supposed to be holy gets together with these other folks. And then it says some believe that evil angels had that. Yeah, I said that to you. God's intention was for his people to be holy. You should never be unequally yoked in marriage. It leads to compromising families that practice evil. And then this Nephilim people, they were very tall. It's interesting. There are people that are doing genetic experiments today to try to create this powerful, intelligent, strong, handsome, beautiful, unique, Illuminati race. I don't know if you've heard about this, but it's going on right now. They are trying to, they're trying to be their own God and manipulate the reproductive process. It's happening. But they're doing, it, they're doing this for evil purposes. Now look at this. Now this doesn't sound too foreign to you because you grew up hearing these stories. These were like the tall people like Goliath, nine feet tall. And the giants mentioned in Numbers chapter 13 during the time of Joshua and Caleb when the 12 spies went in and they saw these huge people. And they said, oh my gosh, there's no way we're going to conquer this land. But only Joshua and Caleb believed. It's a very mysterious, interesting situation where the devil was trying to use the size of these people, the power of these people, to intimidate those who were God's people. And only Joshua and Caleb believed. I need to say this. Don't be surprised if in the church you're attending or in your family amongst other Christians in this city, you start to feel like Joshua and Caleb, like, doesn't anybody believe in the power of God anymore? You'll feel that. You'll feel like a minority in these last days. You'll start to see so much compromise that it'll, you'll, you'll start wondering, is it okay to carry on this way? What is this? Peter says it's like the days of Noah. Many years ago, right before God was about to send some judgment, God made it clear that there is a time clock for each of us. He said, my spirit will not strive with man forever. My spirit will not strive 
forever. Right here, as you, as you continue to read that passage, that's actually something that God says, my spirit will not always strive. There was a lot of, there was a lot of, a lot of wickedness going on at that time. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man, verse 5 of chapter 6. It was great on the earth and every intent of his thoughts. We'll talk about that in more, in more details. But for 120 years, he gave man a chance to repent. So Noah is building for 120 years. And they're probably calling him names and things of that sort. But he was determined. He believed what God said. And he was warning the people. I'm not sure if Noah's family was warning the people. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't say if they were preaching with him. It could be that during the 120 years, he had family members saying, you're embarrassing us now. Um, when are you going to stop this? What's that? 50 more years, you'll be done? Ah, interesting. Who knows if he got support from his family? Don't be surprised if you're doing God's will. And sometimes family members don't support you. But you, you follow Jesus, amen? No matter what, you always follow the Lord. So shining, shining in this dark world, shining. Look at this. God wants us to shine. He definitely wants us to shine. So it says here, it was, it was very wicked. Even their thoughts were evil. And we're going to go to verse 13. Read with me from verse 5 to, um, I'm going to start at verse 6 actually. And the Lord was sorry. He was so sorry that he made man on the earth and he grieved in his heart. He was sad that he even created man. Verse 7, and the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of this land, from man to animals and creeping things and the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have even made them. My goodness. But Noah found favor. Hallelujah. But Noah. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God, just like Enoch, remember? Enoch walked with God, had fellowship with God, and God took him. Verse 10, and Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. We're going to read down to verse 13. And God looked on the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. If you go further up, something that you'll notice in verse 5, look back at verse 5 with me. This should scare all of us and to have more reverence for God, a healthy fear of God. Look what it says. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man, that it was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts 
and of his heart was only evil continually. God knows our actions and thoughts. When was the last time somebody was arrested for hating somebody? Well, God says, if you hate somebody, you're as bad as a murderer. When was the last time that somebody was taken to divorce court because he was looking at a woman, looking at a man with lustful thoughts? Doesn't happen to it. You usually have to act that out with your, you know, with your actions. But if it's up here, a lot of folks think, well, it's not that bad. It's in here. God saw the thoughts of these people, verse 5, it's there, it's right there. He could see who's lusting, who's hating, who's coveting and envying others. He sees that. He, so when you're on the computer and you're watching things where you say, well I'm, well, I'm not having sex with the man. I'm not having sex with the woman. It's not as bad as. So then what happens? You start to compare yourself horizontally with the people of this world instead of a vertical comparison to the holiness of God. Lord, you see what I'm doing. And the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is clean. He sees everything, including your heart attitude, your thoughts. He saw the thoughts of the people. And Jesus mentions this, Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. He says, if you lust at a woman, that's committing adultery. So these Pharisees are listening to this like, how did he know what I was doing 10 minutes ago? Because he can see the thoughts. He sees right through us. So we need to have a reverence, a reverence and a love, knowing, Lord, you see everything I think about. Mom and dad don't know. My husband doesn't know. My wife doesn't know. But when you start to realize God knows what I'm thinking right now, oh, my goodness, you'll become pure inside and out. Amen? If you have reverence for the Lord. God was sorry that he made man. He did not make a mistake, so it's not like he repented in the sense of, oh, man, I knew I shouldn't have done this. This was a mistake. Back to the drawing board. Let's wipe this whole thing. No, it was, it was a, he was grieved. It was a response of sadness and grief that he made man. Does your life, your lifestyle, my lifestyle, ask ourselves, does your life make God sad? If so, that can change today. Does he look down at Pete Campbell's life and say, this is horrible. Does he look at your life, your thoughts, your attitude? Is he pleased? He was sad when he looked down upon the earth. It says it in Genesis chapter 6. Hallelujah. But in verse 8 and 9, in the midst of the darkness, people who had dark actions, dark thoughts, dark attitudes, in the midst 
of that dark situation, there's a light shining. Hallelujah. His name was Noah. God was, he was so nauseous, nauseated by the darkness. But then he looks at Noah and says, oh, I can keep my eyes on this all day long. <laughs> this man fears me. He loves me. He can say that about one of his daughters. Oh, look at her loving me and obeying me. While everybody else is playing church, while everyone else is having a bad attitude, while everybody else is ungrateful, look at my daughter. Hallelujah. He looks at you and he sees there's a difference between this person and the rest that don't even care about me, that don't even think about me. They're Thoughts, their attitudes, their actions are dark and horrible. But look at my son. Look at my daughter. He looks at Noah and he sees something. There is a light in the darkness. And we should be shining in this dark world. Don't be discouraged by anything dark you might see in the city, amongst Christians, in your family. Jesus says to you, you follow me. Oh, somebody needs to hear that. <laughs> I don't know who it is. But it's so easy to point the finger and say, but he's, he's a church leader. Look at that person. They've been a Christian for so long. Look what they're doing. And the Lord wants you to focus on yourself. Amen? Look at him. Look at her. Focus on yourself. And if there's things you need to confess, I want you to know when you come to the throne of grace, you can obtain mercy. He wants to forgive you. He loves you. He wants to change things on the inside, your thoughts, your perspective. He loves you. He really does. Now, there's an awesome verse. Look with me. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles chapter 16. 2 Chronicles 16. Oh, I need to land this. Jesus, help me. Second Chronicles. Chapter 16. There's a king named Asa. He used to depend on God, but he wasn't depending on God anymore. I hope that's not you. I hope it's never me. Where you used to depend on God. This king used to depend on God to fight his battles. Then God sent an God sent a prophet to him to tell him something, and he got mad at this prophet. If God sends you someone to tell you the truth in love, to say you can be a better student, a better child, a better obedient child at home, a better husband, a better wife, a better employee, don't get mad at the messenger. God sent that person to you, and sometimes they may not even give you the message in a very loving way. It might be the wrong attitude, but don't get mad at the messenger. Ask yourself, God, are you trying to improve me? Are you trying to correct me because you love me? If this is your voice, I repent. This king got angry. Look at chapter, uh, 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. The prophet says to him, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro. The eyes of the Lord are moving all over the place, looking through Guadalajara, throughout the earth. 
that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolishly in this, king. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. In other words, king, you will have unnecessary trouble in your life because you're not depending on God anymore. You don't fear God anymore. But God searches through the land of Guadalajara for a woman, a man, a young person, a boy or a girl who is totally committed to him. That type of person shines in the darkness of the city. He's looking right now. He looks through this crowd. Who's totally committed to me? Who's playing around? Who's half-hearted? Who's only committed on Sunday? But tomorrow and Tuesday, you wouldn't even be able to know if they're followers of Jesus. But who is committed to me Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, all through the week? He looks for those people, and then he says, I want to show myself powerful in this person's life. It's a beautiful thing. When you're, cho- when he- when you're noticed like that, and you know he's looking, and he looks at you and he smiles, Instead of cries and grieves, he looks through the land. Asa, King Asa, used to be committed. Read about him. Not now, because I'm preaching now. I want you to listen to this. Read it later on. But he used to be really committed, and he got off track. Lord, help us not to get off track. Repeat after me. Say, Lord... Lord, help me not to get off track. Amen, amen, amen. He wants to help you. He loves you. Noah had children. According to verses 10 through 13, he had children. And when you have children, what is that? To have children is an opportunity to pass on to another generation teachings of righteousness. Teachings about the truth of God. If you don't have children, you may want to pray about adoption because they're a gift. Children are a gift in many ways. Some might think, oh, they're sort of a pain and you know what, too. But they're a gift. How do you know they're a gift? Not only because I've experienced it, but because God said that they're a gift. So I take First of all, you got to believe what he says. You know what else is a gift and a privilege? To be a pastor. Because there's spiritual parenting that goes on. You know what I said to my wife driving in? I said, D, whether it's parenting or pastoring, I said, I said D, you know what? Pastoring is a gut-wrenching, sweat and tears, joyful privilege. Those of you who are parents, can you say the same thing? It's a gut-wrenching, sweat and tears, joyful privilege. So, so that sounds like a paradox. Yes, it is. But how can you, why can't it just be joyful and no pain? Oh, no pain, no gain. No trouble, no trust. No test, no testimony. Somebody say amen. 
You got, look, God wants you to know, when Paul prayed, Paul said, Lord, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. There's something about suffering that allows you to see the power of God. It's an opportunity. God gives you an opportunity to pass this on to the next generation. But there was much violence on the earth at that time. But violence, when you see all this ugly stuff going on in the world, just know judgment is very, 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 very close. Judgment is close. It's coming to this city. I'm going to talk to you more about that. I don't know when judgment is coming to the cities of Mexico, to the cities of the United States, but it's coming soon. There's too much evidence of it. I'll talk to you more about that in a second as we're about to close pretty soon. So what we need to do is watch and pray. Luke 21 verse 36 says watch and pray. As you see these wicked things going on in the Middle East, I visited Chiapas about two years ago with, another, with two other, one pastor, another missionary. The Lord made it very clear to me, visit Chiapas. So I went. Chiapas has more military presence than any other state. Chiapas borders Guatemala. Some of you know where Chiapas is. There's a lot of human trafficking and drug dealing and ugly things going on. If you look at Chiapas itself, it's a beautiful place in some areas. There's a lot of wickedness going on there. I was talking personally with some social workers. I even went to this place where they invited us to come back and preach to these immigrants that come across. It's in Chiapas where there's this train called the, the Beast where these little children and adults, they get on top of the train. They're trying to find freedom. But on their way, some of them are falling off. Their arms are getting cut off. Little children are taken. They're killed. Their body organs are taken. They're selling them. This, there's so much darkness and wickedness going on, but it's not just in Chiapas. The United States is also partnering with these things, but we're not hearing about it. Chicago, so much violence. Abortions. We can't even get into abortions. I don't have time. I mentioned human trafficking. And as dark, it is, as dark as it is, he wants us to shine like those candles. In the midst of the darkness, there was Noah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In the midst of the darkness that goes on in different companies, like HCL, there's Josue. Who God says, I've put you there for a reason. I've put you around those weird guys. <laughs> These guys that believe crazy stuff. You are my shining light, Josue. Depend on me. Don't depend on your own strength. I'm with you. Shine for me. Glorify me with your words, with your actions. God's been using you. Not just with the orphanage. He's used you, bro, to share the gospel with some people that have been, they've been believing lies all their life. But then, here's this information technology Noah named Josue. 
God sent you for a reason, bro. For a reason he has you in the midst of that ugliness. He has you there. Following God's blueprint, the ark's measurements were the length of a hundred, one and a half football fields, which is a hundred yards. That's why I said a hundred. One and a half football fields. That's how long it was. Now, so for those of you who don't watch football, you're like, I don't know what that is. But it was long. Okay. Trust me. Four stories high. That's how big this thing was. But he followed the, blu the blueprint. Look, look, look. He's reading the blueprint. And I, I do think that that's what Noah probably looked like. What do you think? But he's reading his instructions. I saw um, uh, a crazy commercial. <laughs> um, Geico, car insurance, very famous in the United States. And this, these Egyptians are looking at a blueprint of how they should make the pyramids. And you look to see what they're looking at, and they're all square. They're not shaped like a triangle. <laughs> so one of the guys says, uh-oh. We're not doing this right. <laughs> he wasn't reading the blueprint properly. So when I saw that commercial, I thought it was funny. Anyway, but it was six, six times longer than its width. And check this out. Modern ship builders today use the very similar standards for building large ships. Because God's ways are best, right? So it's really interesting. They use a similar model that God showed Noah to make these ships. God gives a clear, clear instructions in these last days. Noah followed God's direction step by step. And we need to do that too. We need to do that. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that God's word is good for rebuke, for instruction, for correction, all of these things. And we all should have a plan to read through the whole Bible. Some of us here, we're familiar with the Bible, but some of us have never read through the whole Bible. If I say, have you read the book of Habakkuk? You would say there is a, there's a book called Habababa? No, it's not Habababa. It's Habakkuk, and you can read the book of Habakkuk. But some of us have never read that. Have a plan, a one-year plan, a two-year plan, or even if it's a three-year plan, I usually be honest with you, I go through the three-year plan. I like to eat it that way. So every three years, more or less, I read through it. And the Lord shows me some, um, he shows me some Bible verses that I never paid attention to before. Read the whole thing. That's what Noah did. He read all of the instructions. Step by step, he read through that. And if you, and if you, uh, I thought my Bible was over there. And he thought, <laughs> it says it right here in the book of Genesis. The measurements, all of those measurements, it's right there in Genesis chapter 6. Because of time, trust me, it's there. The clear instructions. He didn't say, well, that's not important. And I, know, I know this needs to be followed, but uh, it's not that important. He read it word for word. He followed everything that God told him. Amen? That's what we need to do. He also received warnings about coming judgment. He was to share these warnings with unbelievers and share the hope of salvation as well. Make a goal to share the good news 
and your testimony daily. Because this is what Noah did. He shared. He shared the good news. Here's one way you can share the gospel, as a matter of fact. Write it down in your phone. And I, and I showed you this a couple months ago, but write it down again. This is how you can share the gospel with your neighbor this week. Say it in Spanish if you have to. Let them know if they're only born once, they will die twice. Physically and spiritually. Separation from God. The second death. That's found in Revelation chapter 20. The second death. That's bad news. But then you can tell them the good news. If you're born twice, which means you put your faith in Jesus, he gives you a brand new start. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It talks about you must be born again in John chapter 3. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, a brand new start. If you're born twice, you'll only die once, unless the rapture comes, but you'll only die, you'll die once and spiritually you'll go to heaven. Some of you understood what I just said. Some of you said, I don't totally get that. Can you say that again? I don't have time. I'm sorry. So talk to me afterwards and I'll look. Okay, I'll say it again. If you're born once, you'll die twice. Second, second time would be spiritual death, eternal separation from God. But if you're born twice, born again, you accept Jesus as your Savior, you'll only die once physically and your spirit will go to heaven. You can explain that. If you show that to somebody who doesn't know Christ, they will look at it and say, I don't get it. And that's good because the man that Jesus told that to, he didn't get it either. But he ended up accepting Christ. It made him curious. He wanted to learn so much more. So we'll end with this. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 6 with me, verses 21 and 22 as we end. Genesis chapter 6, verse 21 and 22. And as for you, take yourself some of all this food, which is edible, and gather it to yourself. And it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did it according to all that God had commanded him. He did it. Noah did everything God commanded him to do. So we need to prepare for the future. So this is our last slide. Let me read this to you. Prepare for the future. God told Noah how to prepare. Now in Genesis chapter 41, we will, we will get there eventually. The Lord might come before I get to chapter 41, actually. I don't know. But God gave the king of Egypt a dream about a future famine. Joseph interpreted his dream and gave a plan to put food aside for future provision. And as a result, Joseph was given authority over all of Egypt. But God was telling them, prepare, plan, put food aside. Has God given you warnings for your family, for Guadalajara, for this world? future problems or disasters that will come. If you don't think he has talked to you already, he has actually in, in, in Luke chapter 21. I'm going to share this with you. I don't share it often. But God told me about four years ago from his word, something's going to happen in the city. I'm not telling you that to scare you. 
I'm te- if you know Jesus, you have nothing to be afraid of. But he does tell us to plan. There's a couple ways he told me to plan. It has to do with water, putting water aside. Water is the thing that he told me, no doubt. He didn't, he didn't tell me something specifically about fuel, but when we had those long lines to get gasoline a couple months ago, the Lord was speaking to me real bad. He says, this is just the beginning. You're going to see worse things. Okay, Lord. And I'm not saying that you like some prophet and say, the Lord gave me a special word. No. It's already in Luke chapter 21 that crazy stuff's going to happen. There's going to be wars. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be problems with internet access for Christians. So no wonder he has guys like Josue, guys like Rufus, guys like Karan who have information technology backgrounds because the day is coming where we need to prepare with faith and action for crazy stuff that's going to happen. Hallelujah. But Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Noah had the heads up ahead of time that something horrible was going to happen, and he prepared. God gave the information to Joseph, and he prepared. Jesus looked his disciples in the eyes, and he says, you guys need to prepare this way, prepare this way. And actually, there's a verse that says that we should pray, 24-7 prayer. You see it up there. We should be in prayer. Noah did all that God told him to do, and this demonstrated his faith. As we close. Let's stand to our feet as we close. Let's stand to our feet. Noah did all that God told him to do. That's why he was shining so much, shining bright in the darkness. Noah did all that God told him to do. Think of yourself as a father, as a husband, as a mom, as a wife, as a teenager, as a student, as an employee, as a neighbor, your own personal life, your thoughts, your words, your activities, your relationships. Are you doing all that God told you to do? Are you reading the blueprint? Are you preparing before the judgment comes? in the midst of all of this darkness, are you shining? Are you in a dark situation right now where people are doing wickedness around you? Are you shining? The Apostle Paul said that we should be like stars in the sky at night. As it gets darker, you should shine even more. If you have not been persecuted in some way for doing right, for talking right, for making good decisions, you have never been really persecuted, even recently, 
You need to ask yourself, am I really living holy or am I living like everybody else? Does God look down on me like he looked at Noah? Noah was practicing righteousness. You all need to know something. Noah, it says he was blameless, but you have to understand that that means it was a life of integrity where he was practicing what was right daily. And when he did mess up, when he did get angry, it was out of character. People would say, that's not like him. And he would repent and start walking with God again because that was his habit. Buenos habitos. I think that's how you say it in Spanish. He was behaving. He was practicing righteousness. He wasn't perfect. But like a good athlete, he was practicing what was right daily. That's the way Noah lived. How do you live? I know your kids can't say that you're the perfect dad, but do they see dad practicing righteousness? You're not a perfect mom, but do they see mom practicing righteousness? That's what Noah was doing. If there's something he's bringing to your mind right now, the bad thoughts you've had, awful words, Actions that if other people in this room knew, you would be ashamed. But you should have more of a reverence and fear of God because he sees you every day. Tell him I'm sorry. Come boldly to the throne of grace right now. Say, Lord, forgive me for that word, those words, actions, attitudes, nasty thoughts. I realize you see my thoughts. Hold somebody's hand right now. Hold somebody's hand. Whoever's next to you, hold their hand. First, pray for yourself. Get right with God. If there's something, there's something called the, the sin of omission and the, thing, and the sin of commission. The sin of omission is something you're not doing that God has been telling you to start doing, but you haven't done it. Right now, commit to the Lord to start doing it. Start doing the right thing and stop the sin of omission. Pray for yourself. But then pray for the person, who, the person whose hand you're holding. Pray for them. That they will start doing what they're supposed to be doing if there's something missing there. Pray for them. Pray for yourself first, then pray for them. Pray for the person next to you just in case they haven't really put their faith in Jesus, turn from their sins and put their trust in the Lord Jesus the one who died for them and rose again, pray for them that they will truly put their faith in the Lord Jesus and call upon him to be saved. There's another thing called the sin of commission where you're doing something that you need to stop in Jesus' name. Is there something that you keep doing? I had a horrible, horrible habits as a teenager, and I thought I could not break free from it until I started relying on Jesus to help me. And it was through prayer, 
reading the Bible and doing what he said. I said, Lord, I don't want to depend on Pete Campbell anymore. I can't stop doing these nasty things. I'm embarrassed. I don't even want to pray to you anymore. You have to be tired of me. And the Lord said, depend upon me. Fill your mind with the right things. Start right there. Start filling your mind with pure things. Stop watching those things that you're watching. Stop listening to that horrible music. All of that stuff, the, the sin is beginning in your mind. As a man thinks, so is he. Start depending upon me in prayer, and you will have victory. And I'm a witness today. He gave me victory. I'm free in the name of Jesus. There is hope in the name of Jesus for you to start doing what you should be doing and stop doing that stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Putting off and putting on. That's what the Apostle Paul calls it. Put off that old stuff and put on Christ. But it's a decision you must make. Jesus can't do that for you. He says, choose this day who you will serve. That's what Noah did. And he lived, and as he was building that ark, that was demonstrating his faith. I believe what God said. I believe what God said. Other people are laughing at me. They think this is crazy, what I'm doing with my talents, what I'm doing with my money, what I'm doing with my time. But I believe what God said, and his actions showed that he really believed. Pray for yourself. Pray for that person. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want your, I pray that your seeds will go on good ground and that five minutes after this message, the devil will not come and steal seeds. Let it go on good soil deep into, the, deep into our hearts. Make us better. Help us to shine in the darkness. This is a dark world. We know you're coming back soon. But help us to warn people as we're working for you Believing what you said. We praise you and we thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we do pray. Let's worship the Lord together. If any of you want to talk afterwards or pray or there's a concern that you want to pray about. I'm making myself available if you want to we want to talk, we have a ministry team here if there's anybody, Josue or Jose, or their wives, if you want to chat with them, pray with them. Now unto you who's able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power now and forever. And all God's people said. Well, I hope that message was a blessing to you. Feel free to pass it on to someone who needs to hear it. 
And if you want to know more about having a relationship with Christ, check out our website at www.graceintruthgdl.org. And remember, so many are looking for real love and power in this life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God bless you.